I'm literally streaming Twitch, playing Minecraft, and talking to you guys all at the same time. Hello world, I'm Eric Dye. I'm Jeremy Smith. And I'm Joe Schneider. And you're listening to the 163rd Church Mag Podcast. When we think about collaborating in general, we think about maybe churches. You know, everyone puts in their input. Sometimes there's disagreement. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes, oh, there was a spelling error or change the contrast, etc. And it is really cool to see. Teamwork does not mean everyone agrees all the time. This week's podcast is brought to you by Jeremy's Church Tech Devotional called Rebuilding. This devotional can be done on your own or with an entire church tech team, week by week, day by day, however you like. This devotional is for church tech by church tech. Learn more about rebuilding on the Church Mag Press website at churchmag.press. That's churchmag.press. Twitch users play the stock market with $50,000 of someone else's money, but is it a success? This week on the podcast, we talk about this Twitch experiment, collaboration, and how it relates to church tech. Well, at least we try. In hindsight, after editing the episode, I'm not sure it's that direct, but we try nonetheless. Now, let the fun begin. Welcome to another episode of the Church Mag Podcast. Eric Dye along here with Jeremy Smith and Phil Schneider on the Church Mag back channel. Jeremy shared an article about a Twitch user who is playing the stock market with $50,000 it's pretty crazy. Um, for those that don't know what Twitch is, Twitch is a, a live game streaming network. Okay, so you have usernames and you can look people up and you can follow and you can watch people's channels. And sometimes, you know, you can watch archived videos, kind of like YouTube, right? It's a live YouTube with some archives. And you can go on there anytime and you can watch other people play video games. Now, for some people... This might not make any sense. Why would you want to watch somebody play video games? Well, there's a lot of different reasons why. Um, one reason why is a lot of times it's entertaining. A lot of the YouTuber, a lot of the YouTubers, see, it's it's so similar. I'm calling it the same thing. A lot of Twitch streamers, they have personality. People like to watch them experience the game. Sometimes people want to see what a game's like, right? Or uh, a lot of times games present uh, different. Uh, different scenarios, and so people want to see, you know, see what else what else the game has to offer. And I've even heard about some people they don't they don't particularly enjoy a specific genre of video game. So instead of you know buying the game and playing a game they don't want to play, they would rather just watch someone else play it. And so that's what Twitch is. It's it's for for streaming video games. Jeremy is actually on Twitch. Um, so considering that you proposed this topic, Jeremy, and you are a Twitch streamer. Why don't you jump in? Well, to be clear, I actually decided to abandon Twitch because um, I already have an audience on YouTube. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna just focus on YouTube. But that being said, I, there is a fun ability of um, being able to just have a sweet audience on there. And um, let me also say that Twitch every year decides to, or I think it's every year, maybe it's every quarter, decides to do something silly with their, their service. And Twitch never was, originally was not about video games. Um I think if you remember Justin.tv, that's what it used to be before they pivoted and decided to go specifically to video games. Justin.tv was originally this guy just sitting in his room live streaming himself 24-7. Everything good, everything bad. And then that eventually grew into other people wanting to do that as well. Um, And then they made the pivot to switch to Twitch. And then Amazon bought them. Now they're an official corporate a corporation, so there's a lot of history there with that. You know, if you don't really know anything about Twitch, it would it probably serve you well to to look it up and at least kind of know what it's about because it is a 
it is a it is a big force in our culture today, especially with with gamers or those who are younger. I mean, you know, Amazon bought them out. They're owned by Amazon. This is a big corporation. Twitch matters in in discussing show, social networks and video streaming, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, you don't know anything about Twitch. You might want to look it up because you probably should know about it. You most likely your teenagers know everything about it mm-hmm. would be my guess. Feels like Googling it too. Feels like pulling up the Wikipedia, Wikipedia page, reading all about it. He'll, he'll know the full history in about five minutes. I'm just trying to keep up. And one of the interesting things about um, Twitch is that there's this mentality of being the underdog in everything that you do. And so they, I mean, Amazon obviously has that mentality too, which is why they really wanted to buy it anyways. So Amazon fully supports them. And so they have the backing of a huge corporation. I mean, Amazon is the hosting service. And so they've got a huge backing with that. But at the same time, they have this like super small time feel and people, I mean, people that are on Twitch are making an entire living just streaming stuff. Right. Which is, which is really interesting because YouTube was the major player. You know, they, they even introduced the live videos and all this kind of thing. So, you know, they're, they're the top dog. And so for Twitch to have acquired to, for it to have amassed as huge of, as an audience, as a user base and uh, production base is actually pretty remarkable considering, considering. The, and yeah. also it should be noted that, um, the Twitch plays is a whole series. There is an individual guy that's doing it, but I think it was three years ago they decided to um, play Pokemon. Years ago they played something else. I don't remember exactly what, but the idea behind Twitch plays is a lot of times when you stream, you're just simply watching someone play. Um, but Twitch plays is designed that you can actually interact with the video game yourself, but that includes you plus 100,000 people watching the game. And so they started this with Pokemon. Where they literally just hooked up an old school Pokemon to the video to the video service, and you would type in "move left, move right," or use this ability, or run away from the Pokemon, or try to catch them. But then a hundred other hundred thousand other people would also vote. And that ended up, it basically was like a polling service. The one that ended up winning out is what the computer would do, and then you would end up having these like really weird people would try to troll them and try to kill the Pokemon, but then other people really want it to be successful. And it just takes forever because it's a polling system. And so this guy that's putting up the stock market, he's investing $50,000 of his money and it's completely live. I mean, you are actually selling the stocks. Um, and I don't, I know that after the first day he had made $3,000, this we're recording this on the weekend. So that stock market's closed, so they don't have a live stream up. So I'm not sure where he's at right now. Um, but he's basically letting people decide through polling systems, Hey, should we invest in Google? Should we sell this stock? Should we just hold it? And then a hundred thousand people decide what they're going to do. And there could be enough people on there that decide, you know, what, we're going to throw away this money. And it brings up this amazing concept of collaboration. We always talk about how great it is to do collaboration, but there's clearly some downsides. Otherwise, people would just instantaneously be doing it. Like if you put $50,000 of your money on there, someone's going to screw with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It, yeah. As, as we se- segued between um, what Twitch is and what, what this guy did, setting up using Twitch as a way to collaborate with hundreds of thousands of people to, to invest in the stock market. This almost, I don't want to say democracy, but, you know, it definitely was a majority of the votes, then that's what would happen. But, Jeremy, as somebody who, as, as somebody who is well-versed in, in human interaction and whatnot, as you are, let me, let me ask, what about groupthink? 
I'm like, like immediately when I when I saw that, that's what I thought because I, I've I've heard and I've heard it been said, and this doesn't mean that it's true, right? Just because you heard it, not only groupthink, but that that uh, that crowdsourcing or you know crowdthink or whatever uh, always leads to to uh, uh, weak products. Like if you try to put in every feature that everybody wants, or you know it, it, you know these kind of things, that it, it doesn't work well. I mean, that's kind of what I've always thought was true. So why do you think this is working? Well, I think, first of all, I mean, we just got done talking about politics before we started the podcast and groupthink. Politics is groupthink, right? We want to get an idea out there. We want to have a couple of people strategically placed social media. We want to kind of have our opinions shared because we want to have that mentality there. And a lot of po- politics is just simply groupthink. I would hate to undermine people's thoughts on the political system, but that is a huge piece of it is it's going to be hard for you to say no. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I voted for Obama and I didn't vote for Trump and my parents are Republican. Sorry if you're hearing this parents, but I didn't do that. And that group think mentality makes it really hard for me to not want to vote for them because I don't want to disappoint my family. If they were disappointed when I told them. And so it's really tough to get beyond that. And that's kind of the idea behind group think is you kind of think it's a good idea, not necessarily because of facts, but because of opinions. Um, and there's a whole lot more that goes into it. But basically if you think about a system, you have a bunch of different relationships right here between us three, this podcast is hard to do because there's three different people talking, but not only is it Phil, Eric and Jeremy, but it's Phil, Eric, Jeremy, plus the relationship between me and Phil, the relationship between me and Eric and the relationship between Eric and Phil and the relationship between all three of us. Like the podcast is different whenever it's just us two, Eric, right? right and right. Phil's not here. Right. Or if I'm gone. It's not nearly as good. And so Gotcha. Absolutely. And it's just it's so different. And so you have to take into factor all that stuff. And while groupthink is a real thing and it exists, um, I think that you know, the way this was outlined with the this the stock market being on Twitch, et cetera, et cetera, the groupthink dynamic was probably very blunt it didn't really go anywhere because there is no like you said connection between all the different users that are online voting right so they're really working as an individual so the only the only group think that might be involved would be societal like overarching societal group think which again they're just you know them in front of their computer screen that dynamic of group think really really isn't leveraging like it would be in, say, like, you know, a board meeting, right? Or an actual face-to-face group where, you know, you're in a relationship with different people in the group, right? So I, I can see where groupthink wouldn't necessarily um, apply in this situation, but still the whole idea of, of crowdsourcing, I've that's never seemed, that, that's, I've always heard that to be a little bit more negative, unless, unless, of course, you're dealing with a room full of experts and maybe, maybe people who, have some expertise in this kind of came to that channel because because they knew they knew about it right went to the channel and they voted and maybe that's why it worked because they had you know thousands of people that actually knew what they were doing um no probably not i mean i don't know how many i don't know how many stock market experts peruse twitch just for the sake of perusing twitch and how how many of them during the stock market being open want to instead spend their time putting a single vote of a hundred thousand into someone else's money um so i i actually think it's mostly unintelligent people maybe though that being said 
they are they're very loyal as far as the, the Twitch plays. They're very loyal to that brand, and so they do research on the back end just to try to figure it out. But again, that group thing's really hard to do when your chat is scrolling a mile a minute and you really can't read what's being said. So, so how do you how do you see now? Everyone that's listening, like, okay, first you start with like gaming Twitch channels. Now you're over in the stock market. You know help. How, how does this line up or how does this overlay with with church communication, church tech, whatever? Sure. I think that when we think about collaborating in general, we think about maybe churches in the community collaborating. Um, when we talk about within the church collaborating, you think about how can youth ministry help the the what's the program for the older folks, the booster club? Anyways, it's got some special name. The booster I'm not club. Ahead. I don't know what it's called. That's, what, that's what the football players have in high school to help on their. That's the boosters. Are so, you talking about AARP? <laughs> no, there's a special name for it. I don't remember what it's called. For the- old people. Yeah. I'm going to go. Okay, hold on. Real quick. Let's just real time. We're, we're going to audio twitch this. We're going to real time Google old people <laughs> club boosters. <laughs> um, Old Abe Booster Club? No. No, well, so it's, yeah, church spe- it's church specific. I don't remember what it's called. Anyways, <laughs> I think that <laughs> clearly you're not from the Ohio area because I don't know. Is 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 <laughs> it is it a denominationally specific thing? No, I don't think so. Boy, Ohio jumped back on you fast, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no joke. It's like bring, the accent stuff. The you just jokes. Jump jump way funnier into. than the booster jokes. <laughs> how, how did you go from Colorado marijuana jokes to this? That's what I want to know. <laughs> it's a slippery slope. So I think that church collaboration in general, it looks a lot different. There is a lot of group think. I think that there's a lot of possibility for just... Um, kind of banding together, but, and this is my own experience as far as churches, but I say, Hey, I want to go feed the homeless. And it's like, that's a great idea. We're all on board. And then I'm the only person planning. I'm the only person setting it up. And then I may get 15 people there. And then we go to church and we talk about like, it's the greatest thing in the world. And so people love it. And, but nobody comes next year either. And it's just, just this rat race to get there. Whereas collaboration online is very individualized in the sense that if you want to do this, you seek it out and you go do it. And I think that church tech has this capacity to really do that. I've seen a lot of Facebook groups and Google plus groups and other groups that need help with how to do communication within their church better. And then they ask that question and they get a bunch of responses. There's a huge Facebook group for church communicators um, that's really proactive and really helpful for a lot of churches that don't have that capacity to get that kind of support. And so they just sought it out, found it, and started asking questions. Other people took their own time and invested in them and was able to really help out. And I think it's really cool to see that. Yeah, I've, I've seen that as well. Maybe it's the same group, but you know, people put a, a thing out there like, hey, I'm working on this logo, or what do you guys think of this? You know, um, and it, you know, everyone puts in their input, and sometimes there's disagreement. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes, oh, there was a spelling error, or do the, you know, change the contrast, etc. And it, it's it is really cool to see. At the same time, you know, you still have, there 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 can, of course, you know, with everything, there can be some negatives. And I've also seen that the situation where groupthink does happen, and you know, everyone's afraid to to kind of push back. For the sake of the group, I think the, the the Facebook group that you're referring to has enough people in it that that that's less likely to happen. 
Um, I think the smaller, tighter knit groups, you you you're, you're a little bit more at risk for that. But certainly, you're right. You know. Um, but d- do you think that that has more to do with the fact, Jeremy, that it's individuals opposed to churches helping churches trying to work with other churches? Like, there's less politics, or I don't know. Hmm. I'm not sure. And, and I know that w- since we're talking about the downsides, um, we have to go and create these things if we want them to happen. And so that's, that is definitely downside until Katie, um, decided to go and put this into Daryl to support her in creating this Facebook group. There was very little out there and they just decided to take a chance on doing it on Facebook. I had created one on Google plus a while ago. Um, I didn't have any interest in doing it in Facebook. Um, and that one had success for a while while I was doing it. And then or Google plus decided to go the way of the dinosaur. But I think that just simply getting the resources out there is really tough, which we know. I mean, we just talked about Twitch and how many people just decided to turn off the podcast because we we're talking about video games. Um, and, and there's kind of that group think in the mentality of clearly that's a waste of time. Um, trying to find help online, just either do it or, pay someone to do it for you. And that can be really difficult as well. So I think that there's still is the capacity for a lot of group. I think, I think that there's a capacity for a lot of um, stuff to your own stuff to get in the way of being able to be successful as well. And there's not a lot of resources out there currently. Okay. Okay. So you we're using the term group think here and I have a problem with that term when the okay. way it's being used because group think to me is used to explain um uh, the blindness of members in a group to obvious external solutions or thought patterns that might um, actually benefit the group. So, for example, um, you know, um, let's, I don't want to pick on churches, but I'm going to pick on like a, let's, uh, I know a church that was, um, it was really small and had maybe at most 15 attenders. Mm-hmm. They were all basically from one family network. So, it was like, there's like a matriarch and like, you know, two or three kids or uh, niece or nephew, and they all were, they all came to this church, and they couldn't figure it out where the church wouldn't grow, even though they they wouldn't allow any updates to happen in the building. The building was old, was dirty, uh, didn't look clean, didn't look safe. There were had made no real program changes in the past twenty years, and the church, like for the fifteen people, the church met all the needs they thought they had, and was a great church. And they could not understand why they, that, that no one would come to their church, nor could they understand why our denomination was talking to them about about closing. They couldn't they couldn't couldn't get it. And to me, that's a better example of groupthink. They had so insulated themselves into their group that they blinded themselves to reality and to other options for moving forward. So, like groupthink to me is is like a um, more of like a blind adherence to the, the group's wishes and desires, even though those don't mesh with reality. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't, not, I'm not sure if we're making that, if we're using that term to its fullest, you know applicable sense here. But I, I do think the idea about collaboration, like collaboration can turn into group think if we're not careful, because we can, you know, rather than pooling everyone's individual perspectives and talents towards a common goal, we can slowly weed out people who are free thinkers and who might challenge the overall group. Like, like, like honestly, honestly, like Jeremy, that is group think. What you just explained is group think. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But I just wanted to highlight a little bit more clearly because I think I, I wasn't seeing, I, 
I was missing it. I wasn't seeing what we're getting there because I want to make sure it's clear. Like, yeah, yeah. Your your example of the of the church that doesn't sound like groupthink. Groupthink. If 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 somebody in the church there in that family or whatever, if they could see those problems but were inhibited or were were afraid to speak up, then that would be groupthink. I should say it like this. Then I, anyone who who had who had seen the problem had been weeded out of the church. So it was the end result of groupthink. So like groupthink killed killed off all the, all the yeah yeah. So that's the thing I want to, I want to point out. Like collaboration is key, but if we're not careful, collaboration will turn into groupthink. Yep. Especially if the if the group feels like and honestly, I, th- I think Jeremy is our church mag antidote to, to groupthink <laughs> because he, he he and I mean this with love. He never goes along with anything. He he has yeah. a thousand on. I'm not saying he's not unified because that's a big church you know bullcrap statement. You're not in unity, sir. I'm not gonna be in oh. unity with stupidity. I'm sorry. If two thirds of you want to go ram the Titanic into an iceberg, I'm going to object to that. But. uh he, you know, we need, you need people. I, I do this a lot at my church. You need people to step back and say, uh, explain to me again why you want to do this. And you're not saying I'm not going to support this. You're saying I want to understand better why you think this will solve problems, why you think this will improve things. And you know, I will say this. I do have some blind faith and stuff, but my blind faith is specific. Like when the Bible tells me that I need to love my neighbor, Fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know how you want to take this. I just do it. Like when I was a child, when I was 16, I left the church that my dad was pastoring because they were not doing that. They were not doing discipleship. And I just left because the Bible said, you're supposed to be doing this. I asked them to do it and they didn't do it. So I left. And so I have a blind faith, but I have it in a specific set of I, I love how. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Jeremy, I'm not calling you a liar. <laughs> I know, I, know, I know what you just said, but I love how it's like, it's a, we saw a life group moment where, where everyone's sharing their sins and Jeremy's like, I've got to sin too, guys. I don't read my Bible enough. I mean, three hours a day does not feel like it's enough to what Christ gave us on the cross. I just need you to pray for me. <laughs> I've got blind faith. It's in Jesus. You know, I just, but I get your point though entirely. And that's, that's the kind of thing uh, I think. I think churches have blind faith in Jesus sometimes that, that he's going to bless them no matter what. And that's obviously not true. And, and I wish it was as rosy colored as you just made it out to be. Unfortunately, I make so many enemies whenever I decide to go my routes on trusting scripture as opposed to tradition. Yeah, And on the church, on the back channel in private chats with Jeremy, Jeremy will say something and I'm like, okay, I, I hope you're not tiptoeing around. You just need to bring all of the thunder. I can handle it. I want the 100% raw truth here, buddy. And, you know, and he does it. But it's, but see, it's all about being open to it. You know, it's about, it's about the, 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 the culture. It's the DNA. It's the climate of a group. So, you know, collaboration, you know, generic just collaboration isn't, you know, a fix all. It can be, it can be helpful. It can be successful like it is with this Twitch thing, but you have to be careful and you have to be proactive against toxicity and it becoming ingrown in, in that yeah. sense. And that's where, 
I think that that's where collaboration should be clarified. You know, teamwork does not mean everyone agrees all the time. Teamwork means we, that everyone's working towards a common goal. Yes, but perhaps with a diversity of ideas or opinions on how to reach that goal. And the ideas and opinions are discussed at each turn to, to, to decide on the best path. I and mean, scripture says that, you know, it's the multitude of advisors that, you know, the, the plan is set or there's two different proverbs that talk about how you need a lot of counselors and advisors to figure out the best way to go. And I think that at the same time, it can be kind of scary. And and maybe I want to ask this before we kind of go down that route. Do you feel like church tech people in general, and I know this is a bit of a stereotype because sometimes we get the um, pastor's wife on the church tech team. And so that can completely change dynamics as well. But in general, when you talk about a typical church tech volunteer or staff person, would you say that they are ones that? Um, struggle with this group think that struggle with this idea of collaboration, the struggle with just being able to get their voice out there and to be able to kind of push back with that process. Or do you feel like um, what we see with, at least within the church tech, the church mags um, staff writers, that that's more common. I think it depends on the depends on the church, but I think the church tech crowd is very susceptible to groupthink because it's a because like most ministry teams, it's self selecting. So like um, our church tech team is like almost one hundred percent Mac users, uh-huh. and so our church uses sure. only Mac. And so like there have been times where like okay, pastor, we need a new we need a new iMac computer, and the pastor's like, do we need an iMac or will a will a will a three hundred dollar you know Dell machine get us there? And they're like, well, if we want it to always work, we need a Mac, you know. And while I, I agree with him, if you want it to always work, just go ahead and get a Mac. It's just way simpler and way more, it's way better. But uh, there are those moments where like that's what that kind of group think kind of pops into it. Or or similarly, if one person on the team finds a solution to a longstanding problem, there's a tendency to say, oh, that's our solution, and then to have, turn a blind eye to any other possibility of a solution. Right. Or I, I've seen in um, uh, Facebook groups somebody say that uh, Squarespace can be a great church website or ministry website solution, and they get shot down like big time. Like, Oh, I, I don't, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't read anything that that person has to say because they, they think that Squarespace is the way to go. Meanwhile, I know heads of, of some of the largest church tech ministries in the world and they're switching their websites over to Squarespace. So, you know, there's not one solution and then that's the only solution. And so Phil's right. There, that really does exist. Like whatever the new thing is, that's the only way you have to do it. I mean, whenever I say, you know, WordPress isn't the only way or this or that isn't the only way in church tech, sometimes I cringe a little bit because I know that a majority of the crowds go on, mm, don't want to listen to him anymore. You know, he's giving wrong advice. When that's just not true, you know, you know, Phil's Phil said it before. Different churches need different needs. They're searching our ad space for like Squarespace. Are, you, like, are they being sponsored by Squarespace? Why are they lying so much about it? <laughs> right. Exactly. Fortunately, we don't get that sweet Squarespace money. So it's common, Jeremy. It's common. That could pay for us all three to be full time and podcast. You know, I'll be honest. I don't I I still prefer WordPress. I think there's more options, more power. But if like if but if your if your website philosophy is a more of a static website with all the information a visitor needs to visit your church and like your events and whatnot are handled internally only, you don't need to put them on the website, then a Squarespace site is perfect for you. Yeah, well there's yeah, there's there's 
yeah, the getting pigeonholed and there's only one solution is a problem. It certainly is a problem. Which comes back to my philosophy of ask questions and then get solutions later, right? Um, and, and I would love to go down the route of the psychology of why is it that church tech people are that way, but I'm probably not even appropriate for this podcast alone in this episode. Um, with collaboration, I also think, especially if we're talking about digital and um, being online, it really makes things sometimes difficult. And um, at the same time, you don't necessarily get the person that you're interacting with. Um, there's the whole stigma of online stuff has always been about your false self. And so like stuff like dating sites, you're just getting this creep that's acting like someone else and you're not really them, which I don't think it's true, but I think it comes from a place of truth um, that's been distorted. But I think that there is both of those things can be true with online collaboration, church tech collaboration, where we're not necessarily getting everything from that person. I think that I personally, at the very beginning of doing church mag, was much more emboldened to have pushback to be able to do those things online because I never actually had to meet the person in person. And now that I've been doing my job for three years, now I just push back to everything and everybody because I work with worked with criminals and that was my whole mindset of they need to change. Otherwise, they're going to go back to jail. So but I think that that person I was online five, seven years ago was not 100 percent who I was, at least in person. You work with criminals and. IRL and now now at Trish Maggie you work with ne'er do wells so you're not your your track record's not really improving Jeremy. Wah, wah. You know, it, it, Eric, you gonna include the link to the Gizmodo article on the episode page? If, if somebody sends it to me, yes. Okay, oh, it's in the Slack channel. That's the article. He's, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll we'll include the link for sure. I was gonna reference it. I don't wanna, I don't want to be busted for not citing our sources, but in the article, it asks the question why um why trolls aren't wrecking this whole project. And I think it's a good question to ask because I think if, if a team starts to do well, it's, it's not unlikely for uh, people who don't appreciate success or who don't agree with the, with the team or the collaboratives um, end game. Um, it's not unlikely for them to try and derail things or discourage or distract the process. Sure. And that's where if you, if you're, if you're falling, that's a great point where God can use those people to test you and make sure you're not falling into groupthink. You know, there've been times when we've had, um, I, I know there've been a few cranks who've complained to pastors I know about things in their churches. And I've said to that pastor, well, you can ignore them because you know they're way off base. And he said, oh, I know they're way off base, but I'm not going to ignore them. I'm going to take their their comments. I'm going to think about it because, because they may be way off base in why they're saying these things. But if there's even a hint of truth to them, I have to know. And that's where it's very important to uh, take even the trolls and weigh their comments against what you think, what you know to be true, what you know to be right, and make sure that you're not falling victim to groupthink. Well, yeah. Sure. Well, and when you have a big group there, when, when you have a big enough group that's collaborating, you know, you, you don't really necessarily know if if they're trolling or not, if they're trolls. I mean, if you, if you read YouTube comments, you can really pick out the trolls pretty quick, but you know, uh, in, in, in a collaboration context, that's a, that's a little bit more difficult. And there's definitely something to be said for that because I've been called a troll many, many times. And I, I'm not here to disrupt the system and make you struggle with life just for the sake of it. Right. There's a big, there's a big difference. There. Absolutely. Cut this out if you don't want to go down this route. I'm just going to throw it out there and then we can let this bomb fizzle or blow up. I think that 
a little while ago, I mean, I've been talking negatively about how I don't like how a lot of the church tech companies do stuff. And Eric, you've proposed that as well. And I've, we never talked about this. Um, and I, I had suggested writing an article about this, but I haven't done so yet. Um, but I got feedback from some people that are in church tech businesses and said, you are hindering this process and the serving the church. We are supposed to be collaborating this whole conversation about collaboration. I'm not doing it because I'm being mean to them. And they were really frustrated at me to the point that they told me I need to pray about it because I am not helping the community. I'm not helping the church. And they were very, very upset about it. So the point that I decided to not do my typical pushback for quite a while, because I was so upset at how they, and they thought that they were being helpful and they were not. I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, Um, but they were very rude to me. And I think you guys even saw the conversation and it was not fun. Yeah, no, you, you, you shared it with me, Jeremy. And that was a really good um, encapsulation of groupthink because they even use the term of like church communication professionals like us. They use some language in there, some like superior closed group language in there that was, that, that was very troubling to me. Um, as far as that goes. And this, this like, like Phil, you know, daringly pointed out the one mind, uh, church tech mindset can have so easily where there's really not there. It, even within the church tech space, this is one reason why some of our services that we have available for church tech is a little bit lacking because no one is willing to have like use this tool for this and use this tool for that. Or, you know, let's talk about the situation, what works best. It's always like, no, you have to do it this way, right? There's only one way to do it. And if you're not doing it that way, you're not cool. You're not doing it the best way, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's no space for alternative views or their pushback, et cetera. And it, it's, it showed up even in the business model. I mean, that's why so many church tech companies have, have shriveled up. Or they've been bought out. And, and that, I know that I want to keep going on this collaboration conversation. Can we make a commitment? I already know this answer, so I feel comfortable asking it. Can we make a commitment to our audience that we will not sell out? It's even if we get um, Tidely on here and we hate something about Tidely, we will let them know. Maybe we'll ask them behind the scenes first. And if they still don't do it, that we'll um, hold them to making the changes that need to happen if we really think that they're true. Will we not sell out with that process? Oh, yeah. That, 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 of course, that, that commitment is there, and it has always been there. I mean, um, we, we've done it. I mean, we've, we've had, like, like you're, you're pointing out, the online giving platforms. You know, at one time, we had competing online platforms advertising on Church Mag, and we had them on, on the podcast. But that never, you know, when we first started doing that, I was a little bit nervous because I'm like, what if Phil and Jeremy asked tough questions? And I thought, you know what, that, I'm not going to worry about that. You know, let, let them bring the hard questions. If they don't like it, then they can go, they can go buy somebody else. They can go try to buy somebody out. Right. I know like for, for a while we had a church community builder on, you guys had good experience. They were on the podcast. They advertised with us. Um, a lot of their philosophy was great. Um, and we, we still said good things about them when they no longer wanted to advertise with us, you know? And even though, you know, that was, you know, behind, behind the scenes felt a little souring how that all went down. We still said, Hey, this is a good service, right? 
Um, so yeah, definitely. Can I, can on I, can, no. can I go on record and say that I still hate uh, Shelby Systems Arena software? <laughs> I still, yeah. still hate that crap. <laughs> or what about that? What about the that song show? What about that song? That one, you know, Jeremy said, "I hate this particular song." It was Sunday, Sunday Plus, and they they commented on on the page and let us know that they improved things a lot. Right, which is great. You know, that's great. I'm glad they're they're improving that. Did you did you look into it, Jeremy, and, and issue a retraction? No, I did not issue a retraction. No, I'm never going to issue a retraction unless it's <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> you know, exactly. Off the offended Phil that you would even ask. <laughs> <laughs> Send us an email, subscribe, and search for previous episodes of the Church Mag podcast by visiting Church Mag. You'll find a link on the main menu. Go to churchm.ag. That's Church Mag, churchm.ag. And if you get a chance, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. We love to hear from you. Until next week. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com.